I'm quite looking forward to this one because Glenn asked me to, he gave me a topic. He doesn't normally do that. Um, but he's given me uh, the topic of the power of friendship. So I don't want you to sit there thinking, oh, that's a nice fluffy one for Kathy. All right? That's a fluffy one. Oh, yeah. That's just going to whiz over your head. Because I can tell you this. When Manuel came with our theme for prayer on Friday, which was love and good works, there were a number of scriptures that he used that were already in my preach. And we sat looking at each other at the end and went, we're really challenged. We're really challenged. And so often, you know, we can run a scripture out at you from the, from the front here and you go, oh yeah, I know that. I know that. I know that. But do you live that? And I ask myself that. Do I live that? So, yeah, I'm going to talk about the power of friendship. Um, Eddie, have I got Eddie? He's going to come and give us our first scripture, well, our signature scripture for the morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we're going to have a look at John 15, uh, John chapter 15, that is, verses 13 to 15. Um, and that's on page 649 in your church Bible, should you want to follow along. It says this, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Thank you, Eddie. You know, I was thinking out of the hundreds of people that Jesus met every single day, he chose just 12 to be his disciples. But they were more than just his disciples, as we can see from that scripture there. He called them friends. They were more than just people that were his servants. They were his friends. They were more than just people there just to help him get the job done while he was here on earth. They were his friends. And so Jesus knew the power of friendship. Now, uh, scientists over the years have looked at the power of friendship because they know that friends are good for us. In fact, I looked up some, some science-based facts about having friends. Now, apparently, if you have friends, you're at a reduced risk of depression. And even if you do get depressed, you double your chances of a quick recovery if you have friends. If you have friends, it actually slashes your mortality rate. It actually decreases your blood pressure. And there was a really interesting um, fact. I don't know, couldn't get my head around this one. But if you have good friends, okay, you are 4.2 less likely to get a common cold. That's useful. That's useful, isn't it? So, yeah, I thought, I don't know how, how, they, um, <laughs> how they came up with that. But as human beings, God made us for connection. We're wired for connection because God himself is a relational God. And we know that right at the beginning of the book, don't we? When he made Adam and then he made Eve... Because he said, you know what, it isn't good for Adam to be all by yourself. So I'm going to make you a helper. I'm going to make you a friend, basically. Now, all of us here, you'll have many people in your life. People you go to work with, you know, people from the past, people that you just see at church. But all of us have people that we just draw in just that little bit closer. 
And they go from acquaintances to becoming friends. And then there's those others that you bring in even closer. And they're in your intimate circle of friends. And they're your really good friends, your besties, your true friends. And I think if you, if you read through the scriptures and you, you look at those three years that Jesus had with his friends, you will actually see that Jesus did bring several of them a little bit closer. Definitely you can see that Peter and James and also John, John was called the one that Jesus loved, brought them in a little bit closer than the rest. Um, Judas, of course, well, we won't even go there. Okay, that comes in the toxic friends preach. All right. Now, this morning I asked a couple of people just to come on the panel here to tell their stories. And I'm going to ask Mark, first of all. We had Kirsty, and her friend has come to support her today because she was going to talk about her friend, but Kirsty's had to go home because she's a bit poorly. So on, on the spur of the moment, I've asked somebody else who's going to come up after you, Mark. And, uh, yeah, I just said to Mark, come and tell us a story about the power of friends. So it's going to be over to you. I'll do that. I'd just like to say what it meant to me and it goes in line with what has already been said and I'm going to read this how I get it right true friends are when it is convenient and it is not and I think you've got to think about that a little bit more sorry true friends are when it is convenient and it is not in other words one day they stand by you when you are present and you're not present. All these you've got to think about, sorry. They're authentic and honest with you. All those I think you have to think about more than just me saying them. A long time ago, our daughter was involved in a very bad car accident. The accident was caused by a person deciding to spend the afternoon in the public house drinking. It was about five o'clock, he decided to drive home in a very insignificant road in the town, but decided he would play dodging cars with the cars coming towards him. His vehicle was one that had ball bars on and the car in front of our daughters managed to avoid him, but he drove straight into hers. She received, in fact, she was resuscitated that night three or four times. I had little faith that she'd pull through and sat on our doorstep all night waiting for that dreadful call from the hospital. She pulled through, but she had life-changing injuries. Her career was taken away from her. She was a stylist, and she could no longer be a stylist because of her injuries. A, the police force, I'm sorry, Chris, were useless to me, although I was in the police force. And in fact, the person in charge of the department I was in reported me for insubordination because I walked out of his office and wouldn't listen to him. Luckily, that didn't go very far. But during that time, 
what this is really all about. And he was a policeman, sadly no longer with us, that stood by me all the time. And he always seemed to turn up when I was at a low. People said, because the driver of the vehicle, he ran from the scene and gave himself up days later. It finally ended him with going to prison and people said, you can now have closure. It did not give me closure. No way did it give me closure. One of the things I really struggled with was, sorry, perhaps I should have been here last week, was forgiveness, very badly. But this friend stood by me at all times and supported me all the way through it. Uh, another friend, very quickly, if I may, but when I was told I had cancer 10 years ago, another friend stood by me at different times. Yes, that was only a very short period of time because I had the operation that dealt with it, but he stood by me. And what was good about that is I could st stand by him when he was going through a time where he had to have a transplant and he didn't know whether to go through it because the donor was a member of his family and he found that quite difficult to deal with. But that's really, but to end, I've had my real friend for 56 years now who has stood by me so much it is not true. She stood by me in real rough times Yes, we've had good times, but really need them in the down times more than the good times. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. I think as time goes on, I know certainly for me, longevity with your friends really counts. Sometimes it's harder to make friends later on in life, you know, but when you've got those people that are there right from the beginning, that know you, that have walked with you through life, that have been with you through the joys and the challenges, it really counts a lot. Thank you for that. Now, Katie, I did ask you lastminute.com just to think about, about friendship, really. So do you want to come up here? Let's see if you manage to do this. Uh, without, without a child on your lap, that's Hello. Um, I did have to think about something last minute. I'm going to talk to you and tell you about my bestest, best, best friend in the whole wide world, Jess. Um, some of you have met her before, and sometimes I bring her along, and she's this little-ish, exactly the same height as me, to the point, um, my best friend. Um, I love her so much that uh, I put her as my beneficiary for my um, pension over Eddie. Um, <laughs> I, I trust her. Um, um, <laughs> no, he knows about her. <laughs> when, we, when we first met, we didn't like each other. Um, people would come in. We, we met at work and people would come in and say, oh, Katie said this about you. And they go, oh, Jess said this about you. And we hated each other and we fought. And my manager sat us down and was like, 
you like each other, actually. You're very similar, and you're both very driven. And, and we were like, mm, maybe. And then she invited me out for a birthday dinner out of pity because we had to be friends. Um, and then from there, we, we became family. Like, she is like a, an extra sister to me, and she knows things about me that I don't know about me. Um, I was only thinking, actually, earlier in the week, which I completely forgot about when Cathy asked about friendship, but friends are the only people that can see the potential in you that you can't see. So she applied for a job after she was going through a difficult patch and they are offered her the job above what she was going for. And she was like, no, no, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I was like, of course you can. Look at you, you're amazing. You're so knowledgeable. And she was like, mm, no, no, no. But she did and she became a manager and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And she does the same with me. Like she tells me all the things that she sees my qualities in me that I don't see and it I think it really is your friends that sort of push you to motivate you isn't it they they tell you well then if if your friends could write your CV you would get every single job that you'd ever applied for wouldn't you because you can't sell yourself like your friends can sell you um there'll be a, occasions where something doesn't feel right and it'll go on and on around and around and around in my head and I'm like something's not right something's not right and there'll be a message going around and it'll be very specific. And I'll text her and I'll go, is this happening? And she's like, yeah, how did you know? And I'm like, well. <laughs> and I was like, we're linked. Um, and it's the same for me. And I remember a time where I was going through a difficult patch and um, I turned up at her doorstep uh, really, really upset and I felt lost. And I said, I don't know what to do. I am not coping. Um, my life's um, <laughs> um, like money was bad uh, I'd had a big relationship breakdown and I just didn't feel like I could cope anymore um, and she gave me a very tough talking to exactly the same talking to as I would to her um, and was like what are you doing you don't you don't struggle with stuff like this you don't let money get you down you don't let boyfriends get you down you don't get life get you down just pull yourself together, go home, have a sleep, have a bath, and sort yourself out. And I was like, yeah, well, all right, fine, maybe I might do. Um, and she was right. I don't let stuff like that get me down. I'm not one, and this isn't um, negative on anybody that does suffer from things like this, but I'm not one to get stressed and get depressed and um, let things worry me. And at that time, I was so self-absorbed in the stuff that was going on in my life that I was like, oh my gosh, I just, this, must, this must be what depression feels like. But it wasn't. I'd just broken up with a boyfriend, really. That's the reality of it. But <laughs> it's, like I said, it's your friends that, that know you the most, that sort of put you in your place, remind you of the good things that you've got and what's going on. I'm, that, I'm rambling, I'm sorry. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Off the cuff. Brilliant. I think this scripture really sums up friendship as well. Two are better than one. Yeah, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe, woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. Now, so often... That is quoted in a marriage service, but I think that is just as applicable in good friendships. So, in a, in a good marriage, and I, you probably didn't pick up who Mark was talking about just at the end there. 
He was actually talking about his wife being a very good friend to him. You didn't clock that. I did. You have to invest into your marriage, don't you? But you also have to invest in, in your friendships. And where it said there that um, they will have a good reward for their labor. You know, when you invest into your friendships, it will bring a good reward. It pays dividends. It's probably the best investment that you will ever make. Forget the stocks and shares. Forget the silly interest rate that's happening on your savings at the moment. Invest in your friends because they will hold you in good stead for the rest of your life. I was thinking about Jesus actually with the disciples and I was thinking about that moment actually when he really needed his friends in the Garden of Gethsemane there. And I was thinking that Jesus must have been saying to himself, I've invested so much into you guys. Could you not watch with me for one hour? Could you not just stay awake for me for one hour like I've asked you to? And I just wondered... Actually, part of the sorrow, part of the agony, part of the disappointment for Jesus at that moment was where were his friends? That's, that's actually a really hard one. You see, I think best friends, good friends are the sort that you can call at two o'clock in the morning and say, I need you. I need you. And instead of them asking you lots of questions and then deciding whether they're going to bother to come out or not, they just say, I'm there, I'm coming, while they're getting dressed. Actually, Mark, we did call you out at two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So Mary in the castle, we couldn't find our keys at two o'clock in the morning after an event. Who do you call? Mark Jarvis comes out with a set of keys and gets us home. Those are the sort of friends that we need in our lives, don't we? Um, Actually, I was talking to a friend of mine this week. We happened to speak. We haven't spoken for quite a long time. And she said, uh, uh, what are you preaching about then this this week, Kathy?" I said, I'm preaching on the power of friendship. And then she said, do you remember when? And we went through the story of what happened. When one day my friend rang me up, and you know like when you know your friends, you know their tone of voice, don't you? And you always know when something's wrong. So I know by the way she said, Kathy, I need you. Come and get me. I thought, wow. And like my head is spinning, and I'm like, but I didn't ask her any questions. I did just say, I'm coming. Now, she was quite, lived quite a long way from me, and I had to sort of speak to Glenn and say, look, I've got to go over and get her. I didn't know what situation I was going into, but I got in my car and I went. When I got to her house, she's outside her door with her little suitcase like this. I went up the steps, took the suitcase from her, glanced inside, and her husband's sitting there. I looked at him. He looked at me, I sort of did a awkward, or what, took her little case down the stairs, put her in the car. I didn't ask her any questions. I didn't need to know. Put her in my house, put her in my spare room. I said, look, I'm really sorry, this is like crazy, crazy weekend for us. We've got guest preachers coming in, it's just like magic. Leave me with God, I've just got to be with God. 
fine. She stayed in that room for two days. I didn't feed her occasionally. And then she came out one day and she said, Kathy, you can take me home now. I said, okay. Put her in the car, picked up her little case, got out the other end, took the case upstairs. Weirdly, the door was open. The husband was still sitting there in the chair. And I was like, another awkward little smile. I thought, has he been sitting there for two whole days? I don't know. Actually, I got into so much trouble for that. So much trouble. Because I never told her that her pastor rang me up and said, what do you think you're doing? I said she just needed to have time out. I got an absolute telling off. But I said to her, she's my friend. And if my friend needs me, I'll be there for her. And if she calls me again, I'll do it again. Black mark against me, I'm sure. What I didn't know was, as we talked yesterday, and this really shocked me, she said, Kathy, if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't be married today. She said we wouldn't have a marriage. I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. I was just doing what my friend asked me to do. When I think of all the people that I'm close with, and you might want to do this little exercise because it's quite interesting. If you look at all your friends and then you identify some of the qualities that they have um, in the friendship, what's, what makes the friendship so special? And if I look at all my friends, they have three things in common. Um, they all have a sense of humour. And I know mine's a bit cheesy, but I've managed to find other people who have cheesy sense of humour as well. We all laugh a lot. So we laugh a lot. The other thing is that we all have high emotional quota. And the other thing is that we're all encouragers, which is just brilliant, especially when you're having a bad day. And you know that whatever friend that you pick up the phone to, you know that they're going to encourage you. And we've spent time together and we've done life together regularly because that's how you become friends. And I think to move from an acquaintance to a friend means that you start to share your life, your feelings, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, all of those things in a safe space. Because your good friends are that safe space. You know that you can say those things without that judgment, without them going and telling everybody, without them breaking friends with you. You know, they know if you're having a rant on the phone and they're having a bad day, you know that you've forgotten it at the end of it and they know that you've forgotten it. That's what true friends are. And when I look at my friends, I know that we have trodden the path of parenting together. That's not always easy, is it? And that we have faced uh, Goliaths together. Goliath-sized problems that have threatened our security and our sanity. And in verse 12 of the scripture that I just read, where it says, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. That's really interesting how they put that because actually life when it becomes a battle zone, you need, you need part of that scripture because those words were written when there was this military strategy in the ancient world where when they went into combat, it was usually hand-to-hand combat. So what they would do, they would pair up with a partner and they had to trust that person implicitly that that person had their back. 
They had to trust them with their life. And so they would stand back to back and they would fight the enemy whichever way he came at them. And so I think, just as actually Mark said, you know, your true friends will stand up for you when others are putting you down. You know, your true friends won't make your problems disappear, but they are the ones who won't disappear when you have the problems. A few years ago, I spoke about iron sharpening iron, which is from Proverbs. And that really was about finding people in your world who will be like iron to you. And that iron sharpening iron comes from way back when they would perhaps make swords and they would, they would bash that iron together with another piece of iron and it would fashion that piece of metal into a sword. It would fashion it into what it needed to be. And I think that's really what, what Katie was saying here as well, that when your friends know you, they help you to be the very best you that you can be. They help you to become that better person. I love this scripture that's in the message version. I, I pulled this one out and I thought it was really great. It says, laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they're down. I'm sure all of you have done that. You've cried with a friend, but you've, you've laughed with them. You see, true friends will congratulate your great news with you, as I did with a friend of mine this week. She rang up, she says, Kathy, I've got a job. I've actually got a job. Oh, wait, that's brilliant. But I know that that same friend, we've also cried together. We've comforted each other when things haven't been going so well. In Galatians 6.2, it says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. You know that saying, uh, a problem shared is a problem halved. That really is true. Sometimes we've just got to speak it out to somebody. I think it was Crocodile Dundee who turned around, I think, when he went to New York City or somewhere, and he found that everybody in America had a therapist. And he was like, why does everybody have a therapist? You know, surely they just need mates. And uh, how, true, how true is that? You know, he picked that one up. Romans 15, verse 1. These were all scriptures, actually, that we, that we used the other day. And we were just like, we we're reading them, and then we were talking about them, and then we were like, oh, I'm so challenged. We who are strong in the faith ought to help the weak to carry their burdens. You know, we all have times when we need a friend to help us carry our burden. There was a time when I was very, very ill, as you know, and it was suggested that Glenn take time out to look for me. And actually, we ended up having six weeks out of church. We were running uh, St. Mary in the Castle. We had so many events to do. We had church to run. And our two, two very... Uh, good friends of ours actually said to us, we will come, we will run church for you. We will run St. Mary in the Castle for you. That's what we want to do for you. You know, no financial payment. They just did it out of actually pure love. Of course, we said, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 that's too much. They said, oh, yes, we can and we're going to. And I don't know how many times in that six weeks it was really inconvenient to get in a car, come all the way from Brighton and try and work their way through the mess of what was happening to try and keep everything going, to try and keep the church together just ready for when Glenn and I came back. And I will never, ever forget that. And I will always be very grateful for them because actually you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for our friends Paul and Kathy Price.
Now, one of the most famous friendships that was recorded in the Bible is the David and Jonathan friendship. And, you know, I truly believe in divine friendships. I truly believe that God brings people into our world for such a time as this. Some are just for seasons. They are. They're there when you need them. And others, as I said, are there for longevity. And when David and Jonathan had this friendship, it was, it was instant. It was actually an instant friendship. And it says in the scripture there that when David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And that love for his friend went so deep that he went on to defy his father and to transfer his loyalty from his father to his friend. And in doing so, he actually risked his own life. He risked his own life. And isn't that the scripture that Eddie read out at the beginning? You know, about laying down your life for someone. That doesn't always mean that you die for them. But it means sometimes you lay aside what's good for you at that moment in order to do that extra thing, to go that extra mile for your friend. So good friends come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? They are all unique in every single way. And I think if you think about your friends, maybe you're different with different friends. Why, why, why does that happen? Well, I think that different people bring out different parts of your personality. You know, one of my friends, we talk deep spiritual stuff. We talk Bible. You know, we talk about how the Bible, you know, relates to now and, and living life. I have two other friends and we just, we just laugh most of the time. Even when things are going horribly wrong, we can usually find something that will make us smile or make us giggle. And we always come away feeling so much better about life. And I hope that's for you with your friends, that you come away from that person feeling better about yourself. Because if you don't, if you don't, then as I said, that tips into your toxic friendships, those friendships that are really not good for you. And I'm not going to go into that one today. Okay, a true friend. Um, Mark, you used the word authenticity. That's, that is a, such a buzzword at the moment, authenticity, to have authentic friends, to have those friends that you can be really, really you with. You don't have to put on a mask. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to be someone else. You are just you. Like when I meet one of my friends and she goes, well, I haven't got any makeup on today. I said, nor have I. Tough. We still love each other. You know, just we don't need the lipstick and all of that stuff. To, uh, to just be friends, you know, we're, we're, we, we are who we are. So real friends, you can be vulnerable with them. And I love, uh, again, it's um, the Message Bible, Romans 12, 9. I think this scripture sums up authenticity. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. Now, at some point in your relationship with your friends guess what? You realize they have feet of clay. <laughs> yeah, they might disappoint you, just as Peter did when he actually denied his friend three times. In Jesus's worst possible moment, where was Peter? Hiding, denying, running. How hard that must have been. And yet, what did Jesus do? He forgave him. Not once, not twice, but three times. And so 
Our friends may annoy us sometimes. They may irritate us because they have feet of clay, they have faults, and they have funny ways. The last time I preached on this subject, I was in another church, and um, it, was a, it was a Bible school. And so I divided it up into true friends and toxic friends. And at the end, a lady came up to me and she said, Kathy, I've got this friend. And she said, she is driving me nuts. She said, she's just always late, late for everything. I'm sitting in Costa waiting for her and like looking at my phone and ringing her. She's just always late. And she said, is she a toxic friend? Do I need to dump her? Oh, dear. So I was like, you know what? How much do you really value this friendship? How much? How precious is that friendship to you? And she said, oh, I love her to bits. I love her to bits. And I said, have you tried talking to her? She said, yes, but it hasn't done any good. I said, you know what? you just got to accept it as your friend's funny way, even though it's not funny to you. But it's just one of her ways. But if the rest of her is so wonderful, if the rest of her is so valuable to you and so precious, then you've just got to let that one go. And I think we can, we can see that in Matthew 7, verse 3. It says, Why do you look at the speck in your friend's eye and pay no attention to the great big log in your own eye? Take the log out of your own eye first, and then you'll be able to see. And then take the speck out of your brother's eye. What a challenging, challenging scripture that one is. So we must make allowances for each other's faults and funny ways. And as Colossians 3.13 says, it says, Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive them. I'm going to finish. I just want to ask you some questions, really. I, I may be just, as you've been listening to this, you've been thinking about your friends. And... Maybe it's a, little, it's a little exercise to think about your friends and think about what qualities in the friendship do they give you? What do you give them? Could you be a better friend? Certainly after that, uh, that prayer meeting, I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm challenged. Could I be a better friend? What acts of service can you do for your friend just because you love them? Buy them a coffee, buy them lunch, buy them flowers. Be on the doorstep when they need you. All of those things, great acts of service. They're not just for marriage, they're there for friendship as well. So why not phone a friend this week, book up for coffee, book up for lunch. Just ring them and say, how are you? And I think that would be a wonderful thing to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Lots to think about there, eh? Wonderful. Teas and coffees are over there.